Welcome to Red Carpet Retirement. This podcast is all about helping business owners and those in the entertainment and creative industries secure and protect their financial future. We provide educational stories and specific strategies so you can achieve the red carpet retirement you so richly deserve. Now here's your host, Adam Scott. Hello and welcome to Red Carpet Retirement with your host, Adam Scott. Adam, it's good to see you again. How are you? Hey, Eric. uh, Great to see you again and Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. I hope the holidays were good for you. They were amazing. And and let's hope this will be a wonderful year ahead of us. Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, the start of the year brings a lot of things to mind, a lot of things that we need to deal with in this new year. And uh, today you're talking about some taxes, right? Some tax stuff. Yeah, Eric, you know, people, uh, people often think, as we said before, that all we do is like pick stocks or whatever, but investment consulting is just part of what we do. There Mm -hmm. there are five main areas where we help people. And in addition to investment consulting, which is a major part, tax planning is a very big part. And that's part of what we're going to talk about today, strategies that people need to be putting in place right now to benefit their tax situation. Yeah. The other areas, of course, that we cover are estate planning, insurance planning, and retirement planning. Although we're fee-based advisors, so we don't give we don't earn a commission from any of the advice that we give. We just try to give the best advice we can. And again, when it comes to taxes, we're not tax professionals. We just give you, we just suggest questions and ideas that you should run by your CPA. Mm-hmm. So, what is the the title today? Because the title's just slightly controversial. I'll be honest. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, I want to call it the top eight tax mistakes that CPAs and their clients make. But maybe we should make it a little softer and call it the top eight tax oversights that CPAs and their clients make. All right. Well, CPAs, this is what they do. But to be honest, Adam, I've run into some CPAs that have not been great and have not been great for myself or my, my business. And I've had to change because I just didn't feel like they were really doing everything they could for me. Is that kind of what we're looking at here? Exactly, Eric. And let's make it very clear. There are some great CPAs out there. And by the way, if you, the listening audience, as we go through these areas, if you say, yep, my CPA checks that box, checks that box, and they cover all of this stuff, please reach out to me. Please let me know their name because I would love an introduction to them. We always like to have a good roster of top CPAs. And uh, we know a few that we can definitely introduce people to, but it's always good to know more. And unfortunately, I'm going to say nine out of 10 CPAs out there that do not check these kind of boxes. They almost, in fact, Eric, they will not see it as their job. A lot of CPAs will not see the kind of things we're discussing mm. today as being their job. Okay. Now I'm really interested in those eight items. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Let's start with number one. Right. Well, first of all, so I'm going to say one reason for this about why CPAs don't see these things as their job is because CPAs are looking in the rear view mirror. They mm. are filling out your tax return. They're about to do it, right? We're just coming up to tax season and they're looking in the rear view mirror of what you did in 2022. And their hands are pretty much tied because you did whatever you did at this yeah. point. But what we do and what fi- good financial planners do is we look through the front windshield of the road coming down in front of us. We're looking down that curving highway. We're navigating the o- obstacles and we're trying to make the best route f- possible to minimize your taxes. So that's what we're looking at today. What strategies can we do now? 
Okay. Uh, Forward thinking. I love it. (laughs) Forward thinking. And by the way, uh, of course, I like to think we do an excellent job in this, but it's not just us. If you have a really good financial planner or financial advisor, they should be helping you with this stuff too. Again, if they're not, well, take these questions to them and ask them if they can help you with some of these issues. And if not, if not, always call you. (laughs) (laughs) Reach out to us. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's that important. Let's get started with number one. Right. So number one, this we're going to start with the easy peasy stuff, Eric, and then we're going to kind of work our way up to some more complicated things. And then we're going to throw out a couple in seven and eight at the end are going to be a couple that do apply to, to everybody. They're not just sophisticated business owners. Seven and eight will be for the masses, but you've got to have some, some money to make them worthwhile. Mm -hmm. This stuff at the beginning, the first two or three things apply to everybody. So the number one applies to everybody. Itemized deductions. What does that mean? Everybody gets an itemized deduction these days automatically that you're not going to pay any tax if you're a married couple on the first $27,700 in 2023, right? And if you're going to itemize, the amount of itemized deductions you claim have to equal more than $27,700. Well, with the limitation on some of the deductions that have been put in place, such as now you can only claim state taxes and property taxes up to a total of Mm $10,000. That used to be or is an itemized deduction. But your mortgage now, my mortgage, I think I only pay nine or $10,000 a year in interest because my interest payments only 2.375. So my, my state and local taxes, which is 10,000 and my mortgage, we'll call that 10,000. That's $20,000 in itemized deductions. So that does not equal 27,700. Absolutely. So I have to give a considerable amount to charity to get over that, to make it worth itemizing, right? So most people these days, you don't have to worry about collecting receipts and itemizing. You probably don't have to work about worry about collecting all your medical bills and giving them to your CPA and wasting their time, adding them all up. Ask your CPA right in the beginning, does it look like I need to itemize based on my previous return? If you don't, don't waste their time and don't waste your time. Or your money, because I'm sure it's your money. just, you know, yeah, it's, there's got to be an hourly thing going on there. <laughs> you, don't, right. you don't want them trying to figure all that out. Right. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So the next thing, Eric, teeing off that itemized deductions is, uh, and, and, you, and going back to that itemized deduction, by the way, so back in the day, I remember as a, as a young man, I would keep a concertina file and I would re- religiously save all my receipts from every month. And the point is, most people don't need to do that anymore mm-hmm. uh, because of the Trump tax reform that gave us such a high standard deduction, that 27700 for a married couple in 2023. Charitable deductions, they're one of the itemized deductions. Well, because now, because the, because the standard deduction is so high that giving to charity may not be benefiting you. Now, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you shouldn't give to charity, but if you are making charitable contributions, you need to find a way to structure it that it will still be a write-off on your tax return or that it will be a deduction. And there are certain strategies you can do, and I don't have time to go into them here, but charitable deductions, talk to your CPA, talk to your financial advisor and say, I like making charitable contributions, but I want to save on taxes when I make them. 
How can we make it work? Find out some strategies. If, if they don't help you, you know, reach out to us and we'll tell you some strategies. But I'm just going to give you one example here to illustrate something. Okay. Retirees, are you familiar with the QCD, Eric? We've spoken about that a little bit before. Yeah. Right. So a QCD is a qualified charitable distribution. This only applies to retirees who are taking what are called required minimum distributions from their IRAs. Retirees, once they get to 72, it used to be a little earlier, 17 and a half, they get to a certain age, they have to start taking money out of the IRAs. And those distributions, those required minimum distributions they have to take from their IRAs can be taxed really heavily. They can be substantial, causing a big tax hit. Well, one way to get rid of that tax hit is you can, instead of taking that RMD and taking it for yourself, is you call up your brokerage company, your financial advisor, your custodian, and you get them to send it to the charity of your choice. And it becomes what's called as a, a qualified charitable distribution. Now, it's a little bit complicated. Make sure you get professional advice to make sure you do it correctly. And then even when you do that, Often your CPA will make a mistake and they won't record it right on your tax return. Oh, no. They will record it as if you took, say, a $10,000 required minimum distribution. They incorrectly fill out the tax form. And I found this on clients' tax returns. You know, we ask for the clients' tax returns. We review them before they get filed. And I've seen this even when we try to clearly communicate with the CPA and with the client, this was a charitable distribution, it was not an RMD. And the CPA, they're busy, they're working 24 hours a day in February and March, and they fill in the wrong box on the tax return. So great strategy, make sure your CPA reports it correctly on the tax return, make sure your financial advisor reviews your tax return. Yeah, wow, that, that'd be a little frustrating. <laughs> right, exactly. You make a $10,000 charitable contribution and you end up paying tax on it if you mm. do it incorrectly. Yeah, yeah, my goodness. Yeah. All right, what's number three? Right, and by the way, uh, Eric, we're gonna, at the end of the story, because I think it's so important for your financial advisor, your financial planner to review your tax return, I'm gonna tell the story at the end where the CPA made a mistake that was gonna cost the client like $100,000, $200,000 in cow. taxes, right? That we were able to see on the tax return, the mistake wow. that was made. All right. Okay, number three. <laughs> Again, this is easy peasy stuff, but you know, everybody doesn't know it. Optimizing retirement contributions. So mm -hmm. one of the mistakes, one of the most common oversights that I see is CPAs not suggesting to their clients that they make a retirement contribution and not advising them on the correct retirement contribution to make. Now, retirement contributions break down into, first of all, there are all kinds of difference of, of retirement plans you can be contributing into, right? Mm -hmm. There is There are IRAs, the, 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 the workplace ones, the 401k, the 403bs, there are SEP IRAs, there are simple IRAs, there's tons of different things. There's the Roth, there's, there's the deductible, the non-deductible. But the two main divisions are between before tax contributions and after tax contributions. And the traditional IRAs are before tax. You don't pay tax on the contribution. Mm. And it, uh, so you're able to put, a, so to speak, a larger amount into your, your IRA or your 401k. 
with the Roth, you pay the tax and then you put the money in, but you never pay tax again on that money. Depending on where you are in life uh, and your tax bracket and your potential future tax bracket, it may be better to invest in one kind of plan or the other kind of plan, a Roth or a traditional. Now, I'm not going to go too deeply into which is best, but again, talk to your CPA about it. Which one should you be contributing into at your particular income tax level? Even better, talk to your financial planner and your financial advisor about it. Now, the easiest one for your CPA is to look at your IRAs. Are you contributing to an IRA or are you not contributing to an IRA? And should you be contributing to a deductible IRA or a Roth IRA? And one final note on IRAs, we generally advocate that you don't contribute to a non-deductible traditional IRA. That's a lot of information there, Eric. Do you have any clarifying questions? Well, the, the other thing is that what I was thinking about that as you were speaking, I would assume that we're still for people that are that have a 401k through their work. Most of those are not Roth 401ks, right? I mean, uh, that's that's relatively new, correct? Right. So that's something to clarify for for the audience that uh, yes, Roth 401ks are new, but now more and more 401k plans allow you to contribute as a Roth contribution. So listeners may be familiar with the Roth IRAs mm -hmm. where they could put after-tax money into a Roth IRA, and it'll never be taxed again when they take it out. Well, now you have the same thing at your workplace. And often younger people, lower tax brackets, might be better advised to be making Roth 401k contributions. And by the way, there's no income limitation. You know, Bill Gates can contribute to a Roth 401k. Mm. Bill Gates cannot contribute to a Roth IRA because he would be above the income limits, but there's yeah. no income limits on the Roth 401k. Got it. And so the thing I've heard is contribute into a 401k up to what your employer will match, but that's not the limit of what you can actually contribute. That's just getting up to their match level. You can contribute more than that, right? Yes, you can contribute more than that. So if, and I don't want to get too much <laughs> into uh, the pros and cons of IRAs and the ways to use them here. But you should definitely, if your employer gives you a match, let's say a 4% match, you better be contributing at least 4% of your salary to the IRA because the employer is matching it dollar yeah. for dollar. And you can contribute up to you know, whatever the annual limit is, of, um, uh, depending on your age. It may be $19,500. It may be for those over 50, it was 26,000. I think it's going up in 2023. But there's an even better strategy for some people or, or an additional strategy called the mega backdoor Roth IRA. Now, again, I'm not going to go too much into the mega backdoor Roth IRA here. Reach out to us and ask us about it. Ask your CPA about it. Ask your financial advisor about it. But your, the mega backdoor Roth IRA may enable certain people to be contributing up to $66,000 a year. Wow. Okay. into their retirement plan at their workplace. So you definitely need to find out if you can do the mega backdoor Roth IRA technique, but absolutely don't do this, you know, at home by yourself. You need professional advice on how to do that. Yeah. And if you yeah, feel free to reach out to us to learn more about the mega backdoor Roth IRA. All right. Well, that was number three. What is number four, Adam? 
So number four, we're now, you know, mega backdoor Roth IRAs. That's kind of like a higher income technique for higher income people. Mm-hmm. We're now getting in, into the higher income earner areas. So number four is for business owners. And it's for su- people who are self-employed or small business owners. And uh, they're, they're high income, high earning, self-employed people. And often they're using the wrong retirement plan or they're using no retirement plan at all. Mm-hmm. And you know, the tr- traditional, if their CPA puts anything in place for them, often it's only what's called the SEP, the Simplified Employer Pension Plan, uh, uh, IRA. But there are a couple of better things, or potentially better things, that the solo 401k plan may, if they put in a solo 401k, they can potentially put in more than they can into a SEP, uh, hmm. up to $73,500 for 2023 if they're over 50 which by the way i mentioned that limit earlier of 66,000 it may be with the mega back door you can do the same amount the 73,500 dollars if you're over 50 so and that's six thousand dollars more than you could put in a sep and also you can earn a smaller amount of income and put more into the solar 401k so you could pay yourself less but put more into the solar 401k than you can in a SEP because a SEP is restricted to 25% of your income. So again, talk to your uh, your CPA about it. Talk to your financial planner about using a solar 401k. But even better for those people who maybe you're earning a million dollars a year and you're paying 50% of that in taxes, if you're mm. in the highest rate in California, you know, you're pretty much paying 50% of, of that in taxes. So there are things called a defined benefit plan, and that can enable you to put in hundreds of thousands of dollars pre-tax into a retirement plan. You could pay yourself $150,000 a year in salary and be putting four or $500,000 a year into the retirement plan, and then maybe wow. taking, yeah, and then maybe taking the rest as, as profit. But yes, you can put in multiples of your own salary, which is the amazing thing with a defined benefit plan. Mm. So be talking to your CPA about that, again, or your financial advisor. All right. Yeah, that's definitely business owners need all the help they can get. Taxes are there. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uncle Sam loves them. So yeah, no, this is, this is great information. What's number five? So number five, again, these kind of high earning business owners is Medicare tax, is, is reducing Medicare tax. The easiest way for a CPA to fill out a business owner's tax return is to have them is to have them pay themselves everything a salary. They write themselves a W-2 and they pay themselves maybe a modest income during the year. Then at the end of the year, they write themselves a big paycheck, again, maybe for several hundred thousand dollars. And a lot of that goes to the IRS and they pay all the taxes at the end of the year. Now, there are reasons why CPAs do this. Financially, it's not always the best decision for the clients because mm. if you pay yourself, let's say, a million dollars in salary, you're going to be paying Medicare tax on that million dollars. And if you're in that kind of salary range, you're paying 3.8% Medicare tax. You're paying $38,000 in Medicare tax. Wow. Now, if you took that million dollars instead as, as profit, you would be saving yourself that 38,000. And there's a way to do that. So you need to talk to your CPA and make sure that you're not taking everything as salary because the more you take on as salary, the more Medicare tax you are paying. 
Okay. And in fact, you know, I, I have a client that we were trying to point this out to the CPA, to his CPA, who was a very high-end expensive CPA. We had these conversations about a year ago, and the CPA continued to pay out everything as salary, you know, let's call it a million dollars. And it was a million dollars. It was more than a million dollars, but he could have taken a small salary, $150,000 and taken a million dollars as profit, but he took it all as salary, incurring an unnecessary $38,000 Medicare tax bill. And the client wasn't happy. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. And <laughs> not just not happy, I'm pretty angry. Right, right. And uh, so he changed CPAs. Well, there you go. All right. Yeah. All um, right. What's number six? So number six, again, this is this is kind of brain freezy stuff, but it's really important when if you're earning a million dollars, it's really important to get your taxes right. So number six is what's called the QBI 1099A deduction. So it's for mm -hmm. business owners. And it was a Trump tax reform that he put in place a couple of years ago. You know, of course, Trump Republicans, they're going to love business owners, do everything they can to help business owners. So that's great. If you're a business owner, you were given for what are called S corporations, were given a 20% tax break on profit. So the more money you pay yourself as profit, the bigger tax break you get. Going back to that earlier example I just gave, not only if, the, if that client took everything um, as profit, would he have saved on Medicare tax? He would have also have gone a 20% tax break on that million dollars mm. if he fit, met the other qualifications for QBI. So, yeah, QBI gives you a 20% tax break. You He would not have paid tax on $200,000 of that profit wow. if he had taken it as profit instead of a salary, right? $200,000 tax break. That's huge. That, huge. Yeah, that's huge. So the thing is, is this is a complicated calculation. And CPAs don't bother doing it, often just don't bother doing it. They don't try to figure out how to maximize that deduction because there's a special formula. The client has to pay themselves the right amount of money. They've got to pay their staff the right amount of money. You've got to thread a few other needles there to make this work for clients. And you need to start doing it now for this year going forward. And you need to have this discussion with your CPA, say, how much should I pay myself to maximize the QBI 1099 deduction? I've never heard of it. So that's that's a great bit of advice right there. Well, good. By the way, if you're a sole proprietor or or you you have an LLC, you're going to get the the maximum tax break anyway. You don't have to worry about it. It's really it's just peculiar to S corps. Now, people who have C corps, there are many people in the entertainment industry for instance that have their own personal what we call loan out corporations. A lot of them are still C corps. And it, that's another one of my sort of like little soapboxes is that their CPAs should advise them to change those C-Corps into S-Corps because they're missing out on this great tax break because mm. they're not an S-Corp because it doesn't apply to C-Corps. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Finally, we're going to get onto a couple of more easy peasy ones. All right. But still mistakes that I see. Mm -hmm. I see... Uh, I see this is, has to do with investments, right? So generally, you're going to be a little bit higher net worth if you've got taxable investments. If you've got investments that are outside of your outside of your retirement accounts, outside of your workplace, 401k or 403b, you've got investments, those are going to, you're going to be taxed on those investments. Now, investments tend to break into bonds and stocks. Well, regarding bonds, 
It's best if it's held in a taxable account, you need to own bonds that are tax-free, generally municipal bonds. That's how the, that those bonds should be held. We, we call bonds fixed income. You should be holding tax-free fixed income. So often, I see people holding taxable uh, bonds, taxable fixed income, and so suddenly they're getting this unnecessary tax hit. So definitely something to talk to your CPA about and something to talk to your financial advisor about. Now, mm-hmm. your CPA can't advise you how to get around that, but he can tell you whether or not it's a problem, right? And and if he yeah. sees it on your tax return or she sees it on your tax return, they should alert you and say, you know what? You're paying a lot of taxes unnecessarily here mm. on the, on the on your investment income. You should look into fixing that. Yeah, that's... Again, it's them taking the time. And I know that they're busy. Like, like you said, CPAs are extremely busy. However, you're paying them to do a job, right? Right, right. So. Yeah, yeah. So although, as I say, they probably don't, they just see their job as filling out those boxes on the tax return. Yeah. But, you know, um, but it would be yeah, really good ones will point this stuff, point this stuff out to you. And just to show you the power, by the way, of having tax-free income, I remember reviewing a tax return once um, for a very high net worth family, and uh, they're worth tens of millions of dollars. And the gentleman had inherited all, all his money. And he also worked as a lawyer, just a little bit part-time, but not much. So he got a make work pay credit, which is something you could get back in the day. If you were not earning much money from work, you would get a make work pay credit. He got a make work pay credit because he had so little taxable income. Why did he have such little taxable income? Because all his income, he's getting millions of dollars of tax-free income because all of his investments were in municipal bonds. Mm. Wow, okay. Yeah. So number eight, finally, the final thing, capital gains tax. Just, again, some people end up investing in such a way that it causes a big tax hit. And you... There are strategies you can use to really minimize your tax hit in your investments, which generally are going to be passive tax strategies. If you're paying a lot of taxes, a lot of capital gains taxes, really you should reevaluate your investment strategy with your financial advisor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of great information, Adam. Uh, is there anything else that you need to cover before we close this out? Because uh, quite honestly, I think that there's so much for folks to download. I'm hoping that people are writing these things down. They've gone one through eight, written them down. I'm like, okay, three of these things I've never heard of, and my CPA has never brought it up, so now I have some homework to do. Just one last thing to show about the importance of getting your tax return checked by a good financial planner. Ah, the story. Um, Yes. The story, yeah. So, yeah, I had a client, and they've got a complicated situation. They've got a number of different businesses, and and they've got high income high earning couple on both sides and they got different residential, you know, the different commercial residential real estate. But during COVID, one of the businesses, one of the primary businesses had uh, had a significant loss. They were still getting a fairly big tax hit. And uh, so I went in and reviewed the return, you know, thinking there might be something wrong. Actually, particularly, I was trying to look to make sure they were getting the QBI deduction, that mm-hmm. the, the 20% deduction. I wanted to make sure that was reported properly. And I thought that might have been the problem that it wasn't being done properly. And that's why the taxes were the, you know were higher than I anticipated. But it turned out 
that the business loss was being incorrectly reported, that the CPA was not reporting the loss correctly. So not only were they not benefiting from the loss, which should have reduced their taxable income, but also the CPA had not properly accounted for that QBI deduction. So this resulted in like, you know, basically by me reviewing the tax return, I'm not trying to blow my own horn here. I'm trying to show the importance of having a second opinion review Mm -hmm. your tax return. It saved $200,000 in taxes to the, to this client. Right. Uh, so, and, but then the client, again, another error, the client's really keen to work with a CPA who's really, who doesn't charge very much, right? That shows the error when all you're focusing on, on how much you pay your CPA instead of focusing on, well, how good is my CPA? Yeah. Adam, do you remember when, when you and I were a little younger, <laughs> quite, quite a bit younger? Do you remember that we didn't have autocorrect? Oh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We, we didn't have we didn't even have spell check, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when mm-hmm. we were first, you know, going from typewriters to computers, <laughs> uh-huh. dating, dating ourselves a little bit. Here's the thing is that whenever we had something important that we had to write, right? We had somebody proofread it. We had somebody else take a look because when you're looking at, at all this information, sometimes you just, you kind of glaze over, right? And we'd always have somebody proofread our stuff before we turned it in. Now, then, then spell check came along and that helped didn't help necessarily with grammar. So I'd, I'd still have somebody take a look and make sure I was saying things correctly. And now autocorrect and all this other stuff. That's great technology. I, re- I don't think I've ever seen autocorrect for taxes. I don't, I don't know if I trust <laughs> autocorrect for taxes, but right. It's, right. Absolutely. If you're, if you're getting a second opinion or a second set of eyes on a, on a term paper for crying mm-hmm. out loud, you know, you don't want to lose tens of thousands of dollars. Get a second set of eyes on your tax issue. I think it's. I think that's kind of a no-brainer. Right. Right. Absolutely, Eric. It, yeah, it's so important for clients to do, and it's difficult actually to get people to remember to do it. You know. Yeah. They're so relieved when they get their taxes. They just want to. They just. Uh, they're in a hurry, and they just want to hit file. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's important to try to get them reviewed by your, you know, by a financial planner if you have one, and if you don't, you know, feel free to reach out to us. Yep. And how do they contact you? Uh, you can either call us on 310-231-5262. That's 310-231-5262. Or reach out to us at www.wellacrewealth.com. All right, Adam, great information today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Uh, pleasure as always, Eric. You bet. Happy New Year, my friend. And of course, our last thank you is to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Red Carpet Retirement Podcast with Adam Scott. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Adam comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And it makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And if you know other business owners that maybe you guys have been talking about taxes, talking about all the rule changes, talking about all the things that you need to do to try to save on taxes, share this podcast with them. It may surprise them what they're missing. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Well Like Your Wealth, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wellacre Wealth Management, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content should not be considered as legal or tax advice, nor is it intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor and consult with your own legal and tax professionals before taking any action.